just know you're not alone Cause I'm gonna make this place your News Radio 840 WHAS, Bob Sekoler and the Louisville Real Estate Show here with you till the top of the hour. And joining us on today's show, Kevin Disler over at Pitt & Frank Attorneys. You can pick the closing attorney that you want, and I can highly recommend the folks at Pitt & Frank Attorneys. You can reach them at 895-9900. Also here, Brad Lawler, owner of Home Team Inspection Service. They come in as a team. They are ranked number one among home team inspection services in the country uh, seven years in a row, hopefully soon to be eight. And by the way, when does that happen, Brad? The, uh, that it's through the it's, results go through the end of December. So we'll know okay. third week of January. I hope I'm not jinxing it. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we, I got a feeling I did. You can reach Brad at 844-411-TEAM uh, to help you. And you can pick the, the inspectors that you want, and they do a great job. And I can tell you from personal experience. All right. So we're, we're still doing our uh, COVID um, show, which means we're on, we're on Zoom. You can go to uh, our website and you can see the show on uh, video. Um, LouisvilleAnswers.com, just so you know, is where you can see the videos that we produce from the radio show. LouisvilleAnswers.com. And I'm trying to stick these up on a regular basis on um, on you facebook on whenever we've got that so i mean we'll see what happens i'm not sure what happens but um playing around with um with what we what views people see as we're talking here so okay so we uh put a send me an email if you want a question on the show you probably hopefully have heard this before uh bob at we com radio question in the subject line and then the question itself in the body of the email email so we're going to start, uh, Kevin, with you. Uh, Kenny owns property, and this is an interesting question. He owns property that has a gravel road on it and just looked up and saw the word that he doesn't understand associated with the gravel road. It's servitude of passage. Kenny's asking, what does that mean? Do you know what that means as an attorney? I know you are you got those highfalutin words that you pass around. <laughs> the servitude. Servitude of passage. Servitude of passage. Well, I'm assuming that you know you go back and there was a a, a large farm that was divided up into a, a two smaller farms, uh, and the adjoining county yeah. highway, one of the tracks is servitude to the other, so that to get to crops to market, you have the right to go over the uh, the other track in order to get to the county road. So your property is um, has servitude to the other one, which is basically the uh, um, that yours is burdened by the other's right to use the easement, usually for access to a publicly maintained roadway. So I'm assuming that's what he's he's referring to. It it, it goes back to the the old days when the law would use certain terms that in today's environment of political correctness, probably not a really good idea to use anymore. Got servitude. It. Yeah, probably not. Yes. Yeah, not servitude, not the best uh, of words. So. We've got another question for Brad here. Uh, Burke thinking of selling his home either later this year or next, but he has pets and he's wondering, will a home inspector report pet damage in their report? Also, how do buyers feel about pets in homes? So pet damage, uh, we'd have to define what area it is. If it's just if it's just a drywall, if it's scratches on a door, scratches around a door jam, those are not going to get into our report because those would be considered cosmetic. 
However, one of the things that we often see are dogs that use the outdoor uh, compressor as their fire hydrant. If you understand what I mean, yeah, that is very corrosive uh, to those uh, to those compressors, and because of that, we will note damage uh, to that. We had one the other day that the uh, the urine had eaten all the way through uh, a set of the fins on a on a corner of wow. it. it. It's been going on for so long. So that type of damage, yes. Um, any sort of damage that's been done to like conduit where. Uh, a pet might have chewed on conduit, something that could be a safety hazard. Those would those would certainly make the report. But carpet, you know, just general, you know, wall and trim damage, it wouldn't make an inspector's report. Trim damage because it's cosmetic. Is that why? Right. Correct. Yeah. 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 So to answer the second part of Burke's question, how do buyers feel about home uh, pets in homes? I have to tell you that it really depends on if there's a strong appearance of those pets. If there are odors then you've got a problem. I can remember about four months or so ago, we had a house, beautiful house, but the lower levels where the pets were and the carpeting in that lower level, you, uh, uh, they tried to clean it, but you could smell dog odor in the lower level. And every time we had a showing, there was feedback uh, that went to the seller and me that uh, the pet odor was a turnoff. So what they ended up having to do is remove the carpet and the padding and do a cleaning of the of the concrete because let's face it that the odors get in there and then put down new padding and an inexpensive carpet but that did the trick we sold it almost immediately and i should point out that if you think covering up the pet odors with a candle scent or one of those glade have you seen the new thing glade has now um it stands by itself it doesn't plug in this little cat a canister that fits inside of it. it's about 15 bucks for the unit and it sprays every seven minutes or mm-hmm. 15 anyway it's the worst thing you could do when you're selling your house because a, a buyer agent who's knowledgeable knows you're covering up set yeah the, just the worst thing that you could do so um the best thing what i tell all of our clients to do is uh, your your key is uh, bake some bread some brownies leave them out with a little note and some uh, water in if it's cold uh, ice cold water that you, in some way of keeping it cold. And that way they little note that says, Hey, no, you're seeing some homes today. So here's something to help you on your way. So they remember you as the nice house and they smell bread rather than a pet odor. So then, and then try to, if you're well, just house, to say it's, we, yeah. Get, well, get, I was just saying, we, yeah. you know, you think it's just the odor, but we've had several instances where the cat odor gets into a hardwood floor. Yeah. And it's a, you know, significant issue. You almost have to replace a hardwood floor. So it's when you smell that, it's just not a superficial yeah. issue. No, no. I mean, if it's, if you can't break, bake bread and cover up the odor or eliminate it, you, you got a problem on your hands. Well, I, but I think the other problem too is that I think that's where the agents can help because sometimes when you're living in that space, you become nose blind to it, right? You don't smell it anymore. I mean, we have right. we've had instances where people have had cats that have used the crawl space area in those in the house, you know, particularly those that have a basement crawl space setup. Cats get into the crawl space, they use that as a giant litter box, and the the family doesn't even notice uh, that it's there just just because they become nose blind to those smells. Oof, yeah. So where you're going with this, and I know exactly where you're going, is that it's incumbent upon the realtor when he walks yeah. in. But here's the problem. And I, I'm a very honest person, and I will tell the seller, as I did with this one I was telling you four months ago when I first went in there, that there is a strong odor of pet. Now, 
a lot of realtors are afraid to mention that because mm -hmm. then the owners are already thinking, oh, this guy doesn't like pets and he's, we're not going to use him or her because they don't like that. So there's, there is a trade-off and I get that loud and clear, yeah. but I'd rather be honest on the front end and not get the job than have them calling me and saying, why isn't it selling? And then you have to tell them, well, it was an older and they say, well, why didn't you tell me that when we first got together? So yeah, I understand. All right. Uh, Kev, uh, JJ owns a home with half an acre of land, and he says there are two trees on the side of his house that sit directly on the property line. He's sending us an email. So you got the picture? There's a, okay. He owns a home and half an acre right down the middle. Two trees sit on the property line. He wants to put up a fence up, but he's wondering, can he legally cut down the trees without Ooh. the neighbor's permission? So that's an interesting one because they're right on the property line and who knows if the property line is legit, you know, you're thinking it might be right. Well, yeah, you've, you know, first of all, you'd have to get a survey to make sure that what you think is a property line is actually the property line. And if the, the actual trunk and the root structures on both properties, yeah. you kind of have joint ownership of that tree. So first, the thing you do is you, you try to see if you can get the neighbor's permission to do it. And short of that, um, you may have to adjust the um, the uh, fence line just because if you cut down the tree, he uh -huh. owns half of it. You do without his permission, he may be able to come back against you. You know, I suggest yeah. it provides shade to the backyard, enhances the value of his property. So it, it's generally good to go over and talk to your neighbor and get permission. So I think you're onto something there, just so you know. Um, and I've seen this happen where a fence install company uh, puts the fence up to the tree up to one side of the tree, continues it on the other side of the tree, though, mind you, uh, putting in the posts could damage the tree roots. So that can be a problem. What I, I would highly suggest, and I think you're going to agree, you go over to your neighbor and say, hey, listen, I'm paying for the fence, but I want to do this and this and see if you can come up to a, an agreement. And if that's the case, if they do come to an agreement, Kevin, do you put that on in writing? Is it oh, so I, important? I, yeah. yeah, I definitely would because then the, you know, the other issue is, um, especially if your fence, you could actually do a formal easement agreement that you put a record because your neighbor that you have the agreement with may sell their property. So then you've got a new party that was not subject to whatever your, your handshake or your um, informal agreement was. So it's a good idea to go ahead and get that in writing. And if you can to actually put it a record, especially if it's going to be a fairly expensive fence and with the price of wood, and other materials now, pretty much anything's expensive these days. So um, with an investment like that, it'd be a good idea to put it in writing, get an easement yeah. agreement. That And so go to an attorney and don't pull one off the internet. I'm suspecting you're going to tell us. Uh, they're good for generic situations, but unfortunately life never serves us up too many generic situations. Yeah. Specific it. facts. You need an attorney locally. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I do. All right, hopefully that answers that question. We're going to move on in just a second, uh, but first we're going to take a break as we're already halfway through the show. With us and continuing with us, Kevin Disler, Pitt & Frank Attorneys, 895-9900. Also, Brad Lawler, owner of Home Team Inspection Service, 844-411-TEAM. And you can reach me, Bob Sikoler, anytime on my cell phone for selling or just talking about the process of selling or buying. 3765483 is my direct cell phone number. That's 3765483. We're back in a moment on News Radio 840 WHAS. Hi, I'm Brad Lawler with Home Team Inspection Service, the area's largest home inspection company. Our teams of dedicated professionals, including many veterans, inspect thousands of homes in Louisville and southern Indiana each year. 
and team makes all the difference. Extra sets of eyes and overlapping duties means a more thorough inspection and better value for you. Multiple teams mean we're able to inspect your home when you need it. Radon testing, home inspection, termite reports, one call does it all. Get the team, get home team. Pip and Frank has been serving your community for over 30 years in real estate closings and our title professionals educate the real estate industry both locally and throughout the state. Tell your loan officer and realtor to close with Pitt and Frank where we pride ourselves on being your trusted real estate closing expert. Pitt and Frank, signed, sealed and delivered at 502-895-9900. That's 502-895-9900. You probably don't think you spend much time in your home's nasty crawl space, but you really do. That moldy air passes right through your floors and into your family's living area, causing allergies and more. Let Aqualock remove the mold and debris, disinfect your crawl space, and install an airtight barrier, giving you back a healthy home environment with clean, fresh air. It'll even pay for itself in 10 years with utility savings, and your floors will feel warmer in the winter. Call Aqualock today for your free inspection. 495 9450. People often think that real estate agents market and sell the same way, but they don't. I'm Barbara Corcoran, and I've worked with the best agents throughout the country. Having a local real estate agent who offers great marketing and options to fit your needs is smart. In Louisville, the agents I trust and you should hire are Bob and Greg Sokola. If I were selling in Louisville, Bob and Greg would be my guys. You deserve the best there is. Bob and Greg, go to WeSellLouisville.com. News Radio 840 WHAS, Bob Sekoler, the Louisville Real Estate Show here with you to the top of the hour. Still with us, Brad Lohler, owner of Home Team Inspection Service. They come in as a team. You can reach them and Brad, specifically 844-411-TEAM. Also, Kevin Dissler, who is a great guy over at Pitt & Frank Attorneys. You can pick the attorney that you want to close your loan, and I can highly recommend Pitt & Frank, 895-9900. And you can reach me, Bob Sekolder, to help you with your house, to list it or just plan to list it now or in the future, or to buy a home, 376-5483. That's 376-5483. One of the things we are going to be talking about this uh, segment is tips to help make your home more energy efficient. And we're going to try to do this on a regular basis because when winter is coming, that's going to be a problem. And so one of the things everyone's talking about is, and we've talked, Brad, in the past, replace regular light bulbs with LED. They've come down in price dramatically, yep. correct? Yes, they have. And, great, great choice. Just make sure you pick the right color, the, the temperature of the bulb, right? Right. So 2,800 to 3,000 is more of the what we're used to inside, which is a warmer light. 5,000 Kelvin is daylight, but it's also cold. It's like an office or a hospital. You don't want to do that. Another tip would be to use LED lights for decorations for the holidays. Don't, don't go back to the old way. Go new way. It'll save you a lot of money. And then close unused vents and doors and lower the temperature of your house by just a degree or two. I know it can be difficult because I don't like cold either, but it will save you a lot of money. Since, since we have an expert here, do you mind if I ask a quick question? You better believe it. On LED lighting, this is for Mr. Lawler. Do they require, this is for for my home, a special type of uh, outlet to be, Is you have to upgrade, like I've got floodlights, you have to up, or can lights, do they have to be no. upgraded? No. no, you don't. The The only thing you need though is that 
most of the time now, uh, all LEDs are dimmable. Uh, there are still some non-dimmable. Those will not work on a rheostat type of dimmer. They'll hum and they'll make a lot of noise. They may not even turn on. So that's the only challenge that you have. But if you've got a dimmer switch, just make sure that you get a dimmable um, LED bulb. Good. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. And it'll use a lot less electricity. Yeah, much you'll, less. You'll be, you'll be going, wow. All right. So, uh, Brad, Adam writes in. He says he's a first-time home seller, and he listens to our show all the time, and he's wondering if we could review the advantages of having a pre-home inspection before he puts his home on the market. Good question. Yeah, it's a really good question. We're, we've got a lot of people that are asking about what we call a pre-listing inspection. Um, you know, why would you do it? Why would you spend five or $600, you know, based on the square footage of your house to have someone come out, do an inspection on the house, uh, and then knowing that the buyer's probably going to have an inspection done later. The, the difference is, is that when you do a pre-listing inspection, you're able to spot the defects. The home inspector is going to look at it, you know, probably even a little bit finer detail than a, just the buyer's home inspector. They'll come in and they'll identify those things that need to be corrected, those safety items, those those minor repairs, uh, those, those bigger repairs. And then that allows the homeowner to actually work with their own contractors under a little bit more time, um, which should allow for a, a less costly uh, repair to be made. They document, they have receipts of everything that they have uh, that they have done. But really, I think the pre-listing inspections are helping sellers protect the equity that's in their home rather than having the buyer's home inspector uh, find things that they address, you know, give to the buyer, and then the buyer wants the things fixed a particular way. So it's kind of taking care of all of those problems in advance, doing them on your own terms. Uh, and I think that it's just a more it, it provides some peace of mind to the seller knowing that they're entering into that uh, transaction that really there, there shouldn't be any surprises when the buyer's home inspector comes in, they should, you know, they should find nothing or the seller already knows what they're going to find. And I think there's one more thing you missed on this. And that is if you get a pre-inspection, you've got a list to work off yeah. of, mm -hmm. you can do this yourself. Or if you've got a father yep. or uncle or a friend who's handy, Right. Whereas once you have the home on the market and a buyer has an inspector come in and the inspector produces a report, the buyer's agent is going to request that those items be fixed by a licensed professional, right. which could cost you a lot more money. You could probably easily pay for the cost of a pre-inspection. Yeah. And uh, let's face it, if you could save a lot of money by doing the repairs yourself, um, or have a friend do it. I think it's uh, it's smart as long as it's done properly, right? That's the well, point. and I think that's the that's the whole point. There is, you know, how is it done? You know, uh, a GFCI. You know, we know a lot of people have plenty of skills. They can they can you know change out a faulty GFCI by right. themselves, but not everybody you know knows how to do that. So I think it just depends on the homeowner's skills. But you're right. I mean, it's it's a it's a more cost effective way of making those repairs versus having you know the licensed electrician you know come in and do you know, something that a handyman, you know, can do for, you know, significantly less money or the homeowner just doing it for the cost of the part. Yeah, I'll give you a quick example and we'll move on. So uh, I think if you go to one of the big box stores and you buy a GFCI outlet, uh, relatively lesser expensive ones, maybe 13 or 14 bucks, you think, Brad? Yeah, yeah, yeah about that. Right. Yeah, I'd say about 15 bucks. Yeah. So if you hire, you bring in an electrician, I, I'm talking maybe a year or two uh, cost, but it could have gone up and it probably it has but at least 75 bucks to do the same oh, job. Oh, every right? bit of that. Oh yeah. 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 So folks, you can see how it pays 
to get that pre-inspection so you know what to do and to what to work on ahead of time, which will minimize the re repair request and the aggravation that you face later. Okay. Right. Well, I, did, just, yeah. well, I was yeah. just going well, yeah. to say from a negotiation standpoint, doing it beforehand, because we had a situation where people were tending to, to put properties under contract for a fairly high purchase price, and they were using the home inspection, which is supposed to be for necessary repairs, to yeah. almost come up with a list of improvements. Yeah. So you've got a lot of situations where you're trying to renegotiate that price down. So if you do it beforehand, you kind of identify these are all the repair items that need to be done. So then when the buyer brings in theirs, you have something to base your opinion on that this is not necessary. It happened quite often in the situation where everybody was just running to get anything under contract. Yeah. And so it, right. I think it's a really good idea. Kevin, this one's from Manny. He's apparently renting an apartment. And he's wondering about the landlord or maintenance person coming into the apartment without anyone being home. Can they just simply come into the apartment and if there's a repair that's needed or the the landlord wants to inspect the apartment, is he just able to do that willy-nilly? Well, it depends upon the lease, but usually you have to provide reasonable prior notice before you come into the property. Usually the leases provide if there's something extraordinary that could per perhaps cause a threat to either the building or the safety of other residents, uh -huh. then they'd have the right in kind of an emergency situation. You left gas on, gas stove. They'd have the right to come in and go ahead and shut it off. So usually it's it's the terms of the lease. Uh, and usually it's prior, prior reasonable prior notice before entry for just normal things. Uh, usually landlords will come and do it in inspection every now and then, but they usually do have a clause in something critical or an emergency situation they can have entry. So I'm yeah. just not certain what his situation was. Got it. Misty writes in Brad that she's constantly hearing people confuse the words porch, patio, deck. She's planning on buying her first home and she's kind of confused herself. So she'd like us to give an actual definition of what is a porch, patio and deck and then is it easier as she goes along looking for a home to for an inspector to see one and look at one and okay one over another thoughts okay porch patio deck yeah inner somewhat interchangeable words i mean yeah. I'll, I'll give you my definition how we look at it uh, a porch is a structure on the the front of the home that is attached to the home. It is it is uh, a part of uh, the foundation. Um, it may have a crawl space underneath it. Um, it may be solid, uh, but that's going to be the porch. The and deck, may or may not have a, a roof over it or a, a some uh, sort of covering. Yes, that's correct. I mean, okay. I think we also throw in stoop. I mean, there's some other some other words that, yeah. that get thrown in there for landings. For a, for a patio, a patio is something that is ground level. Um, so it's going to be, it, it will essentially be just a, you know, concrete pad, uh, a pavers, you know, pad actually on the ground. A deck is something that is elevated. Uh, it can either be freestanding, so it has its own support columns uh, holding it up, or it can be cantilevered off of the home itself and attached to the home through a system of, of ledger boards and cantilevers. Uh, that's going to be a deck. Those decks can be, you know, anything from, you know, a few inches off the ground to, you know, 30, 40 feet in the air. Um, are the ones that are a few inches off the ground the most difficult for an inspector to? They they are hard because of the fact we can't get underneath yeah. them to see how they are structured. Now, the, the one nice thing about those is they are not a fall hazard. Uh, so really when you're looking at the decking, 
you're you're going to know kind of what the status is. The problem with a with a an elevated deck is if they fall away from the house, say they're just held on with nails rather than um, bolts, then you know you can have a uh, you know risk of of severe injury when those fall versus yeah. the ones that are real low to the ground. Yeah. One other quick thing while we're on this. Uh, brick and brick veneer, uh, interchangeable by many, but yes. there really is a difference. Explain that if you would, Brent. Well, so there are some buildings that are actually brick, and that's that's brick all the way you know through where it's the walls are made out of brick. They're not made out of a masonry or any other uh, material. Uh, brick veneer is what's more common with us, and that is really just a shell uh, that is put up around a house and is held on with ties, uh, a, a metal tab uh, that connects the brick to the uh, the structure of the home. But there's actually a space in between the brick and the actual structural wall of the home. So many buyers still believe that a brick, if it's a brick veneer, it's not as good as a brick home. And that's a yeah, misconception, right? It is. And there, you don't see a whole lot of brick homes or, you know, some of, some of the old buildings downtown, we might be yeah. able to say are brick construction, but that's, uh, there's not many homes that are actual true brick construction. They're all brick veneer. And just to clarify that, if the roof is resting on the brick itself, that would be a brick Correct. home. That is, that's, yeah, it has to yeah. be the structural element to make it a brick home. Brick veneer is non-load bearing. Got it. That would be the difference, in, but they're just as good. In fact, maybe better oh, yeah. in some ways. Better. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've got time for one more question here. Kevin, uh, Samantha says her dad wrote a handwritten will and has passed away. His wife now has contested the will. By the way, the wife is Samantha's stepmother. Does that make sense? Does that make probably? I hate when we get it. Yeah. Yeah. So Samantha is asking, what can she do if the stepmother tries to sell the house? Is there anything she needs to worry about Samantha? So in other words, I guess the dad wrote the will leaving the house to Samantha, the wife, which is Samantha's stepmother contested the will. And now Samantha's worried the stepmother is going to try to sell the house. Um, What happens? Well, well, handwritten, holo- what's called holographic wills are, are legal and valid in Kentucky. And, of course, you can contest a will based on capacity or influence, a bunch of different things. What happens, I think, in a similar situation is the concern being you may have the, the will that says, I want the house to go to my daughter. But a lot of times when people do things, like we talked about getting a form off the line, yeah. they forget that the house is titled jointly with survivorship. So if you had her stepmother and her father owning the house jointly with survivorship, even though he put in the will that he wanted to go to the daughter, immediately upon his death, technically the house was immediately owned by her stepmother. How so do you, that, How do you cure that then, Kev? Because that's crazy, right? It, it happens all the time because people with, – with the will, you can only – the will provides I give what I own when I die. The, which is common with couples in Kentucky, you take jointly with survivorship. My deeds that way. Most people that are, are married, their deeds are that way. And legally, when your last breath goes out from you, the real estate automatically vests with the other person on that deed. Mm-hmm. So you don't actually own the house when you die. So that everyone needs to get a will. And when you either try to do it yourself, there are a lot of online sources i really strongly recommend you sit down with the local attorney, but you also got to pull up the deed and you have to see that, how that is titled. You have to pull up your 401k. Who's a beneficiary on that. We had one where the beneficiary 
was an ex-wife from 12 years ago, and the guy just forgot to take it off his 401k. So that led to a nice litigation on that. So even though you're going to do a handwritten will or you go online and pull off a will, you got to see how the property's vested. Um, yeah. This happened, same situation to a good friend. She lost about three or $400,000 because of it. So as we leave you here, we're out of time, folks. Just take this from us that um, it, this is nothing to leave up in the air uh, thinking that it will be settled if you pass away. This creates problems for the families and for everyone left behind. And so do yourself and your families a favor and talk to an attorney. You can talk to anybody out there. They'll be able to help you. But I, as we go, I will tell you, Kevin Disler is a great guy to get some advice from. He, he's given me advice on a regular basis. And you can reach him at 895-9900. Thanks, Kevin, because that was a really good point to be made here. Also, I would highly recommend, because I've used him before, Brad Lawler, at Home Team Inspection Service, 844 844- 411 team great guys and then if you want to reach out to me anytime if you're thinking about selling it's a big world out there and it's changing i'm more than happy to talk to you either in person or zoom or um, we can get together at your house and come up with a plan and talk about it it's free and it's no obligation so doesn't uh, hurt to give me a call and if you're looking to buy we can help you as well you can reach me at 376-5483 or go to bobsellmyhome.com and uh, we'll communicate with you We are out of time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being here. Thank you all for being out there. We'll see you next Sunday on News Radio 840 WHAS.